All right, listen, man, let's grab your Bible. We're going to jump right into an incredible story found in the Old Testament. It's a story about this guy by the name of Elisha. Now, if you don't know who Elisha is, Elisha is large and in charge. He's an incredible character in the Old Testament. He is not just a prophet. His predecessor was the prophet Elijah. This is Elisha. Elisha is not only a mouthpiece for God delivering incredible, powerful messages, but he's also a miracle worker. Like there's an anointing on his life and he works some incredible miracles that are recorded in the Old Testament. If you're here and you've got a problem with miracles, you've got a problem with God. Come on, because I want you to know the God we serve is not limited by the laws of even the creation he put in order. He is bigger than that and he is above that. Anybody here believe that? I'm going to throw one other thing out here. Let's just determine in 2020, we're going to be a church that gets on board during the message. Come on, I want people to make some noise. Like, if something resonates in your heart, if, so, if you're in a place I'm talking about or you want to get to a place I'm preaching about, like grunt, amen, go ahead, preacher. Come on, I want, come, let's, let's be a place, man. I, this isn't a Methodist church, man. It's a full gospel house. We need to get, get our shout on and, man, get excited. If you're, if, you're, if you're frowning, you're not doing this thing right. Come on. So Elisha is this guy we're going to talk about. This is one of his miracles in... Really, there's some stuff I want to dig out of here. Check this out. 2 Kings chapter 6, beginning at verse 1. We're going to read all the way down through verse 7. It says, One day the group of the prophets came to Elisha and told him, As you can see, this place where we meet with you is too small. Let's go down to the Jordan River where there are plenty of logs. There we can build a new place for us to meet. All right, he told them, go ahead. He said, please come with us, someone suggested. I will, he said. So he went with them, and when they arrived at the Jordan, they began cutting down trees. But as one of them was cutting a tree, his axe head fell into the river. Oh, sir, he cried. Come on, that's not what some of y'all would say. <laughs> but it's the son of a prophet. Oh, sir, he cried. It was a borrowed axe. Where did it fall, the man of God asked. And when he showed him the place, Elisha cut a stick and threw it into the water at that spot. Then the axe head floated to the surface. Grab it, Elisha said, and the man reached out and grabbed it. So as I jump in, this is just a standalone message today that God laid in my heart. And uh, so I want to just open up your ears, man, open up your heart to really hear what God has to say. Um, earlier this year, I've read several books, by the way. There's, a, there's an author by the name of Jim Collins. If you are in business, if you want to be successful, uh, he's a great author. He's written books like Good to Great. Incredible, incredible writer uh, will challenge you. I, I'm a reader because I believe leaders are learners. You can only reach your greatest capacity by learning from people that are where you want to go. And so Jim Collins is really a great author. I read one of his books this past year called Great by Choice. Great by Choice, uh, if you decide not to read it, I'll just give you the quick lowdown, but I would encourage you to. Great by Choice is basically he's teaching principles of how to be successful, especially in an environment of chaos. That when things are happening around you, you can make intentional decisions, hence great by choice, to get and maximize the moments that you're in. And so in this book, the reason especially that it was interesting to me is out of the gate, he basically starts you on this historical journey, and he takes us all the way back, the reader, back to 1911. What happened in 1911 is these two guys, two separate individuals, started out in a race to be the first person to reach the South Pole. And so it's this cool journey, 1911, these two guys. And the two guys, one guy's name is Robert Scott. The other guy's name is Roald uh, Amundsen. I'll give it away. Amundsen kicks Scott's rear end. But the reason he was successful and the reason he made, in fact, he made it to the South Pole and home before Scott's team made it to the South Pole. 
But the reason was, and what Jim Collins finds is that there are specific decisions that a Munson's team made that helped them to be successful. So it's a great read, but here's, here's my point this morning, is, um, is a Munson's ship was called the Maud. It was a ship specifically constructed for him. Uh, he, he went on all kinds of different expeditions. I'm a history guy. I love, come on, I love National Geographic. I love, anybody like those channels, History Channel? Some of you lost in real, reality TV. Come on, get your head out of the gutter. And so, so anyways, this past year, so again, this all the way back, 1911, uh, Amundsen was an incredible, incredible traveler. He did all kinds. He was the first guy through the Northwest Passage. Incredible, incredible things. Well, the ship that was built for him when he began his journey was, in, was called the Maud. The Maud, unfortunately, hit an iceberg. This is long after South Pole. Hit an iceberg and sank 30 years, or in 1930. And this thing, this boat sat on the bottom of the sea for 80 years. 80 years. And so I already knew the story of Amundsen. I already knew the story of the Maud. Very cool history. But here I'm watching TV just several months ago, and I'm watching this show. And sure enough, somebody found the Maud, and they raised it 80 years on the bottom of the ocean, and they raised this thing up. Here's the picture of it right here when they got it up. They're in the process of restoring this and taking it to a museum in Norway, but it was actually able to sail behind the mothership back to Norway. And as I watched this ship that sat on the bottom of the sea for 80 years, I heard God speak this word to me that I want to speak to you today, and it's this, your fall is not final. And what I'm telling you is that I just want you to hear is that you're not sunk. Whatever, you, whatever happened to you in the 2019, which I'm going to tell you, for me, I'm glad 2019 is over. We went through some challenges. As for me as a pastor, we had some challenges on our staff. We, we were able to overcome them, but there were some difficulties my family went through. And I want you to know something. Sometimes you can go through such a difficult season in your life that you feel like you're stuck in the past and you can't move to the future. And some of you are here, maybe you lost some relationships, or you lost some business deals, or you lost a job, or you lost a career. And you're wondering, like, is this always how it's going to be? Maybe you lost a loved one. Maybe you went through a divorce and... Like there's this angst and hurt in you and you just wonder like, am I ever going to, am I ever going to be normal again? Am I ever going to feel normal again? Am I ever going to get ahead? And I just came to tell you, come on, someone needs to help me. I want you to know that your fall is not final. If, if, if a group of people can get a boat off the bottom of a sea that sat there for 80 years, the God who spoke heaven and earth into, into, into order, he is able to raise anything out of your life at any moment at any time. Does anybody here believe that? So. Your fall isn't final. I just want to just declare that. I want that, to, I, want that, I want that to grab a hold of your heart. I want who you were in 2019, what you lost in 2019, who you thought you were defined as 2019, to be left in 2019 for you to believe that you are not sunk. God's going to raise you up in 2020. Does anybody here believe that? Let's check this out. Let's go back to this story, 2 Kings chapter 6. We're just going to run through and pull some nuggets out of here. It says, one day the group of the prophets came to Elisha and told him, as you can see, this place is where, uh, the place where we meet with you is too small. Let's go down to the Jordan River where there are plenty of logs. There we can build a new place for us to meet. So again, this guy, Elisha, one of the things on his plate, besides being a communicator, besides being a prophet, besides being a mouthpiece to God, I love the heart of Elisha because Elisha is vested in the next generation. 
He wants to make sure when he's gone, there's somebody who can take his place. If you've ever wanted this, I want you to know Faith Church is a place that's vested in the next generation. We have a school of ministry. We have inc- incredible kids ministry, youth ministry, young adult ministry. Come on, is anybody thankful to be in a place we're investing in this next generation? But, you know, man, I, I love it because this, this translation says the, the school or uh, uh, the group of the prophets. Most translations say the sons of the prophets. And when you read through the Old Testament, what you find is that it was actually a school. And there wasn't just one school. There were actually three different schools of the prophet. There was one in the city of Jericho, one in Gilgal, um, and one in Bethel. And these three schools, which I love it because that tells me Elisha was the first guy to have the model of multi-site. We're a multi-site church. Come on, somebody. People hating on multi-site. You got a problem with multi-site. You got a problem with Elisha. And so, um, so Elisha's got these three schools, and in the midst of everything else he's doing, he's tra- he'll stop at these schools, and he'll, he'll teach them, I imagine, probably how to, hear the, how to hear the word of the Lord, how to give the word of the Lord. And, and uh, while he's there, I love it, one of the guys comes up and says, hey, uh, Elisha, man, this thing's been growing. People have been getting on board. It's too small. You just need to know this, that healthy things grow. Healthy things grow. It's funny to me how some people have a problem with large churches. Uh, Listen, if your church isn't growing, something's wrong because healthy things grow. Come on, somebody. And so they come to Elisha and say, hey, this this thing's grown too much. We've outgrown it. We need to move down the road. And so they make the decision to go ahead and move. Now, have you ever wondered, think about this. They could have just said, hey, it's full, we're good. Right? I mean, I've been here eight years. Once we filled the worship center at one time, I could have said, hey, we're good, man. We're packing this place out. We, we didn't stop there. We added two services and three services and now another location and two services there. We're going to keep adding locations and keep adding services because there's people who need Jesus. Come on. But what is it? Think about this. What is it on the inside of us that wants more? Like nobody steps into the new year and says, I'm good. I hope I have a duplicate of the last year. Nobody says, in fact, my family was so amazing in 2019. I hope it goes a little downhill. I can't handle the excitement. Nobody. Think about this. Every one of us, especially as we step into a new year, we always want more, better, in order. Like, we always want more money. We want to be more successful. We want to have more influence. We want, to, we, want to, we want to excel in our career. We want to have a better family life. We want to have more order in the discipline of our life to be healthy and to be strong. Come on. And you know where that comes from? The desire for more, better, and order comes because you're made in the image of your creator, and he is the God of the kingdom he's put into place. Because you're made in his image, his kingdom is on the inside of you, and God's kingdom is always about more, better, in order. Come on, I'm telling you, that desire to want a better family, that desire to want to succeed in business, that desire to be a greater influence, that desire to have healthy relationships, that desire to be physically healthy, it ain't always helping it, happening. Come on, somebody. But I'm telling you where the root desire comes from is because God's kingdom is on the inside of you. And when you follow Jesus, Jesus always taught through parable and through prayer to prosper. Check this out. Matthew 13, 33, he talks about the kingdom of God this way. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like the yeast a woman used in making bread. Even though she put only a little yeast in three measures of flour, it permeated every part of the dough. The kingdom of God, when it gets in your life, will take over. Now, I know we don't always like it, and we like to hold it. God, do this, but don't touch this area. Once the kingdom of God gets in your life, it will always take over. The same way, just a little bit of yeast in a dough took over the whole lump of dough. 
It's always about, come on, more, better, in order. Say that, more, better, in order. Here's how Jesus taught us to pray. Check this out, Matthew 6, 10. We know this in the Lord's Prayer. He says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, I want your kingdom to come in my workplace. When I show up, I want the kingdom to come. I want your kingdom to come in my business, on my campus, in my studies, when I'm doing my budget. God, I want your kingdom to come everywhere. What I want you to know is some of you, you made that decision in 2019 and maybe some things went sideways. But here we are in 2020. It's a new year. I'm telling you, your fall is not final. But we have to make this decision, at least for me, is we just can't allow anybody in our life. And you can't allow anybody to shame you out of seeking success. Do you know what? Anybody here have got anybody in your life like you're trying to hit the gym again? You're like, oh, here you go again. Come on, you didn't, you didn't lose no weight last year. You ain't losing no weight. Come on. You, listen, if you got friends that don't want success for you, you need to find new friends because those aren't friends in the first place. Some of you trying to get your marriage back together, and they're trying to talk you out. Oh, you just need to get rid of her anyway. She ain't no good. Listen, you married her. You owned her. It's a covenant. Get in, stay in, and work it. Find people. Listen, find people that are not going to shame you out of seeking success. Listen, you want to be prosperous, you want to have the marriage God wants you to have, you want to have the relationship God, find people who's going to speak life in you yeah. because I'm telling you what they're confirming in you when they're confirming what God has for you is they're confirming the kingdom is always about more, better, and in order. Come on, somebody. And so let's just determine in 2020 we're going to have the kingdom of God in our house and in our lives. Anybody for that? So check this out, 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 3. Once they make the decision to go build, they look at Elisha and they say this, please come with us, someone suggested, and he says, I will. Here's a question for you. Question, is God with you in your current venture? Is God with you in your current venture? I know for me, sometimes I'm guilty of this, and I'm sure there's lots of us in this room that sometimes we'll, we will make our own decision and we'll start down this path, and then when things go sideways, that's when we call out to God. Like, now things are bad. Now, God, I need you to step in. And, and here's the good news. No matter who you are, where you're at, Lawrenceburg, you need to hear this. It's never too late to call out on Christ. Yeah. It's never too late. It can be the 11th hour and 59 minutes. You can always call, call on Jesus. The Bible says all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. No matter who you are, where you are, what you're going through, you can call on Jesus. But here's a better model. Instead of calling on him once we get in chaos, let's call on him on the front end. You just got to determine, is God with me? Like, as you make a decision, as some of you are making career path moves, some of you are stepping into relationships in 2020, and you just need to ask the question, God, is this the person you have for me? Because what you see is in this group of people when they go to build is even before they ask, even before they ask for his presence, they ask for permission. Yeah. Hey, is it okay if we go build? Have you ever thought about God asking God permission? God, do I have your permission to get in this business? God, do I have your permission to get this business partner? God, do I have your permission? Do I have your blessing, God, to, to get into a relation with this person? And here's why. Because God has the best plans for you, and the only way you can experience the best is to know that he's co-signing what you're into. Come on. That means, God, I want you to go with me wherever I'm at. Moses, he said it this way. He said, God, if you don't go, I'm not even going. Some of us need to have the tenacity. God, if I don't get you to co-sign where I'm going, I'm out. I want your favor, your blessing, your amen, your yes, your co-sign to go where I'm going. And here's why. Because I'm telling you, even with God on our side, and he is, I have found this is true, is life still happens. Life still happens. 
Disappointment happens, heartache happens, heartbreak happens, business deals go south, people die, people get sick. But here's the difference of having God's presence with you, is when things go sideways, I want someone big enough to make them go straight again. Come on, somebody. God is the God who's able to do that. So they make this determination to set out. The place they're at is too small. They want the school to keep growing. Elisha, come with us. They get down to the place, and it says, verse, uh, verse 4 says, So he went with them, and when they arrived at the Jordan, they began cutting down trees. But as one of them was cutting down a tree, his axe head fell into the river. Oh, sir, he cried. I just love that translation. <laughs> really? Is that really what he said? Oh, shoot. I mean, come on. Some of you grew up shoots a cuss word, so if I offended you, get over it. <laughs> Go back and listen to Thin Skin. Oh, sir, he cried, it was a borrowed axe. So what we find is, is these guys are out swinging this axe. He pulls back, and when he pulls back, the, the axe head goes, <laughs> splash. And he's like, oh, sir. <laughs> That's my new one. I'm going to drop that. Oh, sir. He says it's, it's borrowed. Here's, here's his point is, it wasn't his axe. He borrowed it someone. He borrowed it from somebody for the project. Here's what I want you to hear in this, is whatever we lose becomes a liability. Right? When we're entrusted with something and we lose it, it's on us. We are now liable for that thing. I, I don't know about you guys. I, I, I feel like I do some things well in my spiritual journey. I've grown as a person. I'm a better person than I used to be. I'm not the person I need to be yet. I still got some areas I need to work on, and unfortunately, I know what they are. I don't need my wife to keep telling me. <laughs> so, one of the areas in my life is I like to believe that I'm pr pretty generous. I'm a pretty generous person, but I hate loaning stuff to people that don't give my stuff back. Anybody with me? And it's made me not want to loan stuff. Like, I've always had a large library. I mentioned I've always been a reader. And uh, I used to loan books. People come in and be like, Pastor, do you have any books on this subject? And I would always have, like, here's two or three great reads. And, you know, like, a year later, I'll go to do research and try to find that book. And I'll think, man, that dude never gave me my book back. And i got to ask for it. And I finally get it. And it's been underneath their car seat for a year. It's got McDonald's French fries stuck to it. Come on, have you? So, man, I, I hate loaning stuff to people and then not getting it back. But I'm going to be honest with you. I hate worse is when I do it to other people. Yeah. Like, you know, you go to clean your car out and you find, like, you know, something. You're like, oh, I thought I gave that back. <laughs> so I hate it about me, but I hate it about others. My, uh, my daddy's always been very generous to his boys to loan stuff to us and let us use whatever he has. But he's always been very clear, like, Stephen, make sure you bring this back. Make sure you take care of it. Make sure... And so uh, back in the day, you know, I, I started traveling for the first time and um, didn't have my own luggage. So my dad had some old school hard shell luggage. You remember the old school hard shell? Like, I mean, that stuff was you, impenetrable. And like, you could lock it back in the day. Some of you were too young. There used to be a time you could lock your luggage and, uh, you know, big brother wasn't digging in your, in your britches. <laughs> I swear every time I get a suitcase, they looked at mine. I'm not sure what they like what they found, but uh, so... My dad told me when I first bought it, he's like, Stephen, again, that's like code word for I will kill you. <laughs> Stephen, don't lose the key. It's the only key I have. It's a matching set. Don't lose the key. And so I use this luggage several times, always return it, took the key back. 
One time I came back, it was my first trip to Africa. I went to the, the nation of Nigeria on a mission trip, and I took this luggage, and I came back, and I went to give my dad his luggage back, and I don't know what happened to the key. But all I know is I don't have it. <laughs> and I'm telling you, the weight of that, like, I owe that to my dad. And here's a cra- I, there's nothing I could do. I, I, if I knew where it was, like, where's the last place you had it? I want to punch people in the throat. If I knew that, it would be there, and I'd go get it. I don't know. Here's what I know is I can't get back what I lost. And some of you are in this room, listen to me, and you feel the weight of what you've lost. Like it's a weight on you. It's a discouragement on you. It's a, it's an angst on you. It's a frustration on you. It's a depression on you. You're wondering like, how did I get here? How did I get stuck here? Why? And I just came to tell you, listen to me, your fall is not final, but the weight of that liability, this is a tweet of the day. If you're taking notes, you need to write this down. The enemy will always magnify your liability with his lie ability. He is, he is the father of lies, which means I don't know why it is, but sometimes we have an easier capacity to hear the enemy lie to us than God speak to us. And anytime the enemy talks, he's always going to lie about who you are, about what you can do, about who God is and what God can do. His goal is to slander you and to slander God. And I just came to tell you, some of you have felt like the liability is always going to be on your balance sheet as a loss. But I just came to tell you, as your pastor of 2020, listen to me, you are not sunk. God's ability to raise what's been lost is absolutely still in place in every life in this room and in Lawrenceburg. God can raise you back up. We just got to make this decision. I'm going to stop listening to the enemy. I'm going to stop listening to negative friends. God can restore that. God can fix that. God can heal that. God can make that whole. Come on, does anybody here believe whatever the that is in your life that God's able to do something with it? That's the God we serve. Y'all are losing energy on me. I'm bringing it. Y'all are sitting there. Thank you. I appreciate it. Listen, it's not for me. I, I really... Y'all can sit quiet. It's crazy. Some of you don't know this because you only come to one service. You'd be shocked how different every service is. Third service, they're not here so I can say this, and hopefully they're not listening. It's like a funeral. I mean, man, they're quiet. I'm up here working it. Like, I'm doing dance moves, and, like, every service is different. So it's not for me. Listen, I just got to tell you this. This is for you. When you hear a word, you just need to put your faith in that. God, I'm believing that for me. I'm believing that word's true for my life. Yes, amen. God, you know what amen means? Amen means I agree. God can fix that in your life. Amen. I agree with that. God can fix that. Anybody? Amen. amen. Awesome. Second Kings chapter 6, uh, verse 6 says this. We're getting here to the end of the story. He says, where did it fall? So the axe head goes in the water. The first question is, uh, he goes to the man of God, he goes to Elisha, this is why you want God with you. Because if God's not with you, who do you turn to when you lose something that you don't have the ability to get back? Well, thankfully, they ask Elisha to go with them, so Elisha's there. That's the first place he turns to, and he asks the question, hey, where'd you lose it? What's crazy is for all of us in this room, the same way as this guy in this story, he knew exactly where the axe had fell. Some of us can look back at 2019 and we can put our finger on a calendar and say, that's where it went sideways. Like, that's where the breakup happened. That's where, that's where the big argument in my home happened. That's where the business deal went south. That's where, I, that's where the market turned. That's where, you know, that's where I failed the class. Some of us can look back at 2019 and we can see where we sunk. Like, it's absolutely clear. 
And so he asked the question, he says, where did it fall, the man of God asked. And when he showed him the place, Elisha cut a stick and threw it into the water at that spot. And the axe had floated to the surface. I mean, imagine this guy swinging this axe away and the head goes flying off into the water. Now, I don't know, was, was the water, uh, were, were there no swimmers in the, in the crew? Maybe it wasn't the local YMCA, you know, was maybe the water too deep in that particular part of the Jordan River? Whatever it was, in the, in the mind of the, the sons of the prophets, they could not get the axe head. Therefore, the work ceased. The project was at a standstill, and the promise of what they were going to do stopped. I, I can relate. I, I, um, I, I stink at golf, and I hate it. I sold my, this past year, I sold my clubs. The Lord set me free. I just couldn't do it another day. I've tried to golf, and I'm no good at it. And then I golf with all of my staff here, and they're all really good at it, uh, which makes me not want to give them raises ever. Like, Y'all got to let me win. <laughs> I'm really super competitive, so I hate losing anyways. I hate losing as bad as I lose with these guys. And so I just kept trying, and Pastor Ryan, he's such an encourage. Go ahead, go ahead and take another swing, Pastor. And uh, I was out golfing one time. I know none of you ever lose your temper, and neither do I except this one time. (laughs) And so I I took a swing, and I mean, man, I was like, I'm going to mash this ball. This ball, this ball is going to the next green. And I swung that club, and that ball went like eight feet (laughs) to the left. And I just... It's like, and that was like my 49th bad shot in a row. I'm telling you, I sold my clubs this year. The guy that came to the yard said, he don't know it. I would have given him money to take them. But I swung his club, and when the ball was like, boop, 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 I was like, ah, and I threw the, I meant to throw the, just, I just meant to kind of chuck it, and I threw it, and I let go late. And it's like, whew, 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 right in a water hazard. The Lord delivered me. It's really what happened? But it was gone. I can't get that back. I'm not jumping in to get it. I don't know how deep the water is. Come on. This axe head goes flying off the handle into the water. It's beyond the reach of the human that's there. But thankfully, the presence of God in the man of God is there. Listen to me. I'm going to keep saying it. Your fall is not final. You are not sunk. You might have come out of 2019 scathe, but you're not going into 2020 sunk. God's going to raise some people up in this place. So he takes it, and I don't know why he did it. I don't know. I mean, I don't know why he just didn't wave his hand, but he decides Elisha to go and get a stick. He breaks a stick, I imagine, off of a local tree, and he goes to the place where the man showed him the axe head sank, and he drops it in the water, and the moment the stick hits the water, the axe head floats. Which, again, I'm just here to tell you that God is not subject to the laws of this world. I'm telling you, some people are like, what about the law of gravity? What about the law of water displacement? It does not matter. God is able to supersede those because he put those into place, which means God can do anything at any time. It might be impossible for man, but God's word says, but with God, come on, say it, all things are possible. So this accent floats up. Here's what I want to tell you. I don't know about that stick, but I know about another stick. There's another stick that's able to restore what's been lost, and it's the cross of Calvary. What we celebrate every Sunday is who Jesus is and what he did. 
And maybe you've heard this for a thousand times, or maybe this is your first time hearing it. But we believe that the Father sent his son on a rescue mission for people who were lost and people who were sunk. And when he died on the cross, what he did was he restored to us everything we lost by our sin. He restored to us a relationship with our Heavenly Father. He restored to us peace that this planet can never give to us. He restored to us joy that stuff in your bank account, stuff in your backyard can never give you. He restored to us purpose and why we're here, why we're on this planet. And I don't know about you, but I'm thankful that there's another stick that's able to restore to us what was lost. And I'm telling you, if you're here today, if you'll throw that stick on what's been lost in your life, God can still raise it up because that's who he is. Romans 8, 11, Romans 8, 11 says this. This is the best news I can give you today. The spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. You just missed a great moment to celebrate because that's better than anything I've said. Think about, think about this. The spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Not the person next to you and not your preacher and not your pastor and not the good people. You. Ain't that cool? You go all the way back to the beginning, Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God said, let there be light, and there was light, and the Spirit of God hovered over the face of the deep. And you find out that he brought chaos or brought order out of chaos. And it's a picture of the triune God we serve, eternally one God, three persons, Father, Son, and Spirit. The Father's plan, he spoke the word Jesus, and it was the Spirit that did the work. And that Spirit is on the inside of you. And Paul says, here's what you need to know is, because imagine how far Jesus was sunk. They thought he was the Messiah, the promise, that he was going to bring everything right. And all of a sudden, they saw him die on a cross and be placed in a borrowed tomb because they didn't know it yet, but he didn't need it long. And he just didn't die, but Scripture tells us that he descended into Hades to announce good news to some people there. But ultimately, he, he was lost. He was sunk. And I'm telling you, the disciples are standing like, Jesus is gone. They are broken and they're weeping, but what they didn't know is the Spirit of God was able to raise them up. And three days later, later, some ladies went to the tomb, and what they found was the rock was rolled away, the tomb was empty because Jesus was no longer dead, he was no longer in the grave, Jesus was alive. But wait, wait, wait. So Paul says, his point isn't that, because we got that point earlier in Scripture. His point is this. this you know, he's like, you remember Jesus? Remember, he was dead in a grave, and everybody thought he was down and out for good, fallen, and then the Spirit came and brought him back to life. Y'all remember that? Well, that same Spirit's in you, and it's in you, and it's in you, Lawrenceburg. It's, that same Spirit that raised him from the dead is in you, and if that same Spirit's in you, then he's able to quicken or bring alive your life too. Come on, what's fallen isn't final if God's in you, with you, for you. Come on. So 2 Kings 6, 7 ends the story this way. So imagine this axe head floating on the water. And Elisha says, grab it. And the man reached out and grabbed it. And like, that's the end of the story. That's it. Like, did they finish the school? Like, I want the details. You don't need to know none of that. You need to know what's fallen is not final. You're not sunk. God's able to raise back up what's been lost no matter how long it's been lost. But this last word, check this out. 
Like, why didn't Elisha reach out and grab it? You got to reach out and grab it. God will do the work, but you have to receive it. Jesus said, whatsoever things you pray, whatsoever things you ask when you pray, believe you receive it and you'll have it. Which means by your, you just got to reach out. Father, I'm reaching out to a restored marriage. I'm reaching out to a successful business. I'm reaching out to a new career. I'm reaching out to new joy. I'm reaching out. Listen, 19, 19, uh, 19, 19, 19. Some of you've been around a long time. Listen, look around. We're, we're glad you're still here. 2019 might have been filled with grief. You don't have to go into 2020 the same way. I believe if you'll just ask God and you'll reach out by faith, he can raise you up. How many of you in this room or in Lawrenceburg, you'd be honest to say that maybe you lost something in 2019 that you're believing God to raise up in 2020? Come on, lift a hand real high if that's you. So, Father, I'm so thankful for your grace and your promises I pray, Lord, you just take this word, and I pray God stirred in our hearts. I pray, Father, let us hear what you're saying to us. Let us put our faith where your promises are. And I pray in Jesus' name that, God, 2020 really would be a turnaround year for people in this room, for people in Lawrenceburg, people watching online. I pray let the power of your Holy Spirit be enough to raise us up. If you're here, listen, and you've never given your life to Jesus, that's where it starts is asking him to go on your journey with you. By recognizing that we're a sinner in need of a Savior, that we're broken and we can't fix ourselves. If you're here and you've never said yes to Jesus, to the grace that he made possible by his death and resurrection for you, that's where true life change begins. So if you're here and you say, Pastor Steve, today I want to I say yes. I want to give my life to Jesus. I want 2020 to be my best year. If that's you, I want to pray with you. Will you lift your hand and say, that's me, Pastor Steve. I want to give my life to Jesus today. Come on, all over this room. I want you to throw a hand in the air if that's you. Come on. If you're here and you're not serving God, today's your day to make that decision. Come on, throw it up and just leave it up for a minute so I can see it. Come on, come on, come on, men. Come on, it's a new year. It's a new opportunity to leave old behind. Come on, just leave it up for a minute. Thank you, 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 thank you. I'm going to close in a prayer, and you can just whisper these words, or you can use your own. God will hear you. And just say, Jesus, I put all of my hope and my trust in you. Be my Savior. Forgive me of my sin. Come into my life and give me strength to follow you for the rest of my days. In Jesus' name. And everybody who agreed said amen. Come on, all over this room, can we give God some praise? Hey, listen, take some invite cards. Get some people in the house next week. Let's expect God to do big things. Open our eyes to see.